As always, we thank you for choosing Earning Their Stripes, your exclusive podcast for coverage of the Marlins minor league system. This is Danny Martinez, joined by Ian Smith and Ethan Badowski. And guys, at this point, I honestly feel like I could call you brothers, so let me vent very quickly. Um, Tell me this isn't going to feel like therapy today with everything that has happened with the Marlins this week, with the nice little hit piece on Denbo, with just a a lot of just the self-wounds that they've caused, too, with this Bauer situation. Tell me that today's podcast is not going to be something that y'all are looking forward to. Yeah, I sent out a tweet about it last night about how, you know, <clears throat> we're, we're coming in tomorrow or I guess that it was a few days ago about how uh, we're just we're going to bring you the positives that are happening because of Denbo. And you see so many negatives, you know, right now. And it's hard because uh, we don't have anything other to focus on. You know, the team is, is really struggling. They got a nice win last night. Uh, over my cubbies but we'll 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 hold off on that one but uh you know the the way the team is struggling it's just hard to talk about anything other than the negatives and especially with the way the Miami media and and the city of Miami itself treats the Marlins you're always going to have negative storylines when there's nothing positive to talk about and so it's just the way it goes. It's really frustrating and really hard to watch because some guys get torched that it's just not necessary. I mean, history we were talking about whether Gary Dembo likes dogs or not. And obviously, like anybody that doesn't like dogs is weird. But, you know, is it really the most important thing when it comes to, to baseball operations and what he was brought here to do? So this will definitely seem like therapy because we do have a lot of good things to talk about. It's been a week, man. I mean, I wasn't expecting this by in any means for the people to pile on like this but i'm glad we can be here to talk about the positives because i don't know if anybody can deal with a negative a negative story every day of the week you know so that's what we're here for yeah and and that's the issue is that you know ethan kind of hit on it I, i sent this out too the miami media seems to disseminate anything that comes out negative so so a national perspective or opinion piece or whatever we want to call this latest Denbo piece comes out and the Miami media feels like they have to just throw it on anybody. But Baseball America comes out and says something positive about the Marlins and no one no one hears about it. Um, and it seems like we just, it seems like it's limited to us. And I know that sounds crazy, but it seems like it's limited to this podcast. And one of the, um, one of the fans and listeners actually sent an email and he said, it's nice that this is what's keeping us going during this rebuild. You know, not just the podcast, but just these type of conversations. Um, we need we need that hope. And, and it's not like we're fabricating stuff. It's just it's the truth. Uh, Denbo has done good things. And we're going to talk about some of that today. I mean, you'll see in our rundown, we're going to hit Sixto Sanchez. We're going to talk about trending players. We're, you know, in our segments, we're going to talk about individuals that he targeted himself and have shown the promise and why they were brought in. So, so with that being said, we'll jump, we'll jump right into it. Sixto Sanchez had his first start the week. They're going to limit his innings, right? They're, they're going to be careful with him. Uh, he went five innings. He allowed six hits, although all of them were singles and most of them were off of weak contact. Two earned runs in the first inning, one walk, two Ks. I- I'll let the guys kind of uh, break down what they saw, uh, what we like about the, the start, but just getting him on the mound is a good start. Absolutely, man. I mean, the stuff was there. I mean, he's on the mound. It was early May, and he's pitching great. I mean, he had a, hit a hundred point two on the gun, I believe, in the start, and that's not pitching in. I don't know. I think it's six, seven months. He hasn't pitched in a game, 
He came out, his slider was tight. He had the, he had the, <clears throat> the delivery down. He was ready to pitch. He talked about the six hits and it was weak contact. But if you think about weak contact, it's exactly what it was. I mean, it was everything you wanted from a comeback star from him. The K numbers weren't there, but I'm not worrying about that. He found the zone. He wasn't wild with this stuff. And I was just glad to see him on the mound again, man. It's exciting. Yeah, no, exactly like you said, Ian. It's just good to see him out there and see his name pop up in a box score. You know, uh, it, it's nothing to be concerned about the two Ks. And I said this, you know, when it when it came out, I had very low expectations for what he was going to do in his first start. I obviously have high expectations for him this year because, you know, the, the, the kind of prospect that he is. But uh, it, it's nothing to be worried about. I mean, he went five innings and they're not going to let him go seven, eight right away. They're going to let him work back into it. And it's good that I think, you know, I think it's good that he's starting in Jupiter to just let him get his feet under him kind of, but I don't expect him to make more than, you know, three or four starts in Jupiter before we see him in Jacksonville, which is where we all expected him to start. So um, just, you know, maybe another start or two and just see um, the stuff there and the the K's up a little more. And, you know, obviously the K's are what we're going to be looking for because of his stuff. And so when you see two K's, it's like, whoa, what the heck? You know, but um, like like Ian has said, it's just it's nothing. You know, it's it's his first start back, and he it was going to be a hard working start for him because he hasn't seen, you know, except for uh, in extended spring, he hasn't seen great competition since uh, the injury. So, you know, he'll work his way back, and he'll be fine. I'm really excited to see what he does this year. Yeah, and, and as far as red flags go. You know, we we could talk about the two Ks, and we should. And then at the other the other side of it, he only walked one hitter that's what i would have expected to see an increase in or a red flag in after not pitching for six nine months whatever the case may be especially a guy that has that type of movement in his pitches that type of velocity in his pitches so it was nice to see him go five innings it was nice to see the weak contact of course we want those k numbers up but also also solid to see that he limited himself to one walk now y'all touched on it um just to get almost predictions how many how many starts do you think he he has before the promotion I think maybe two more, I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, if he yeah. dominates the next start, he could be up in two. Um, I don't think it'll be many. He's he's not he's not got the stuff to sit in, in single A very long. They have a bunch of guys there ready to throw, so I don't see him being there very long. Three starts max. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say three is a good number, uh, and that might even be a little conservative. Okay. And then the only other thing I could really think of with Sixto is, is, is there any chance – that we see him in Marlins Park in September. Maybe if he wasn't coming off an injury, um, it depends on how he does, you know, in Jacksonville this year. Uh, and then also the way that the rotation turns out, if there's an injury or if Urania has <coughs> gone or if Smith is gone or, if you know, there's, you know, something happens in the rotation. But uh, with a lot of these guys, I think you shouldn't rush them. Um, you know, look at what happened, what's happening with Magnor Sierra this year. Um, he was kind of rushed up to the bigs and now he's down in double A and is having a really nice season. So, um, I think it, it, it's no rush. If he does, it's awesome. If he doesn't, we'll see him next year. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna err on the same side as Easton there. Like, I really will highly doubt to see six, seven, and Marlon Spark this year just due to the innings limit and coming off an injury and so forth. They're going to want to see him just stay healthy in the minors this year. He's 20 years old. We got time. I mean, he's going to be fine. Let's just see him pitch right now. Let's not rush him. 
I'd rather see him in 2021 or or late next year. Let's see. Let's say that. Yeah, I'll pair that as well. I think that if I had to predict, I'd say mid 2020. I think that we could see him uh, produce enough and just show that he's healthy enough. Just show that he's durable mm-hmm. enough. Something that you know the question mark. If there's one question mark on six, so it's that to the durability. Let's see mm-hmm. that for a full year, and then around this time in a month, a year and a month from now, let's talk about him starting to come up. Um, and let's be cautious with him. Uh, you know, I don't think he should throw more than five, six innings a night until he's built up an entire year. And you know, I guess there's going to be an innings limit, so that probably won't happen. But uh, and just one more thing, real quick, before we move on, Danny, on his start is the good. The really good thing to see is six hits, one walk, but only two runs. You know, so that means he, he was able to work around well and he was sitting around the strike zone. And I think it's really good to see from him limiting the damage and being able to, you know, not have to strike everybody out to limit the damage. I think that's a really positive sight from him in his first start. Yeah. And the fact that those two runs came in that first inning. So, I mean, that was what we're yeah. really talking about kicking out rust and they got to him in that first inning. A few, again, weak contacts sneaks through the right side and then they, they, they scored, but they, he just dominated the rest of the outing. And, you know, we can't really say dominating without high K numbers, but he controlled the rest of the mm-hmm. outing, allowing no runs from, you know, second inning till he was finished off. So good to see sixth on the mound. I believe we're all in accord there that we need to take it slow with him. We need to build that durability and hopefully we could see him next year, mid year. And if not, definitely by 2021, the other news, which is the big news, because now we get to talk about Lewis Brinson on this podcast before he was a uh, MLB only podcast, kind of a guy, but you know, he was demoted and we had somewhat discussed this on the other podcast that maybe it even came too late at a time. Um, But the big news, Lewis Brinson demoted to triple a, They're going to try to get him consistent at bats. Obviously, it wasn't working at the major league level. So the question is, if this is considered somewhat of a full reset, right? And and regardless of the optics of what this is, you know, he was the centerpiece. He was traded for Yelich. How are they going to demote him? Whatever the case is. Now that he's a part of our podcast here, now that he's a part of our world, what are you both looking for? What are we as Marlins fans? What should we be looking for out of Lewis Brinson in New Orleans? Well, I mean, I want to see him just stay on stay on his approach and stay confident. I mean, he really came into 2019 being the face of this rebuild for the Marlins and came into the season with high hopes. He looked decent with big home runs in spring training and still the K numbers were there, but you expected some kind of a pro- progression from him coming in 2019. He really did not get going, obviously. I mean, it was probably two weeks too late. He didn't get the spot in the order that he really could flourish in. He was batting eighth a lot of nights. He was batting seventh a lot of nights. He really didn't get to see the pitches he wasn't. And when he did, he wasn't swinging at them. Um, I really just want to see him just get at bats and just stay on his approach and put the bat on the ball. Like, I say that every week. But with Brinson, it's the main thing for this guy. I mean, he could be a dominant player. He's got all the tools. He's got all the abilities in the world. But he just can't seem to put it all together. If the Marlins go into this setback in this demotion as a quick rebuild then i don't think it's going to work at all i mean i expect him to be there for at least a month or two or maybe more i mean he needs this he's got really nothing going for him in the majors right now and it'll be just going to hurt the rest of his career if we just let him up there to get dominated every night yeah again you know bring up a guy like magnora sierra and what's happened to him when the marlins gave him a full reset down in double a um you know i just think you, you just it, it's a 
we say patience a lot on this podcast, but that's the thing with minor leaguers is you just have to be patient. And, and I think if he, you know, struggles and, and, you know, and then all of a sudden starts coming out of it, let him, you know, don't rush him right back. If he comes out of it and starts getting really hot, you know, um, let him let him marinate for a while. I, I wouldn't be mad. You know, it, it would be a very bad look if he's there for the rest of the year. But I wouldn't be bad if if he's there for the rest of the year and the results start coming and the approach starts getting better and he starts showing more power numbers and striking out a little less. So I would really be we just have to be patient. I mean, it's it stinks. I feel so bad for Lou um, because, he's you know, he's a good guy. And it was so hard to watch him just knowing the talent that he has and how important he is to this rebuild. It was really hard to watch him in the majors, especially because the first week or so of the season, the approach looked a little better. He was making more contact. I think he had the average up around 300 at one point, you know, and it was like, okay, like, here we go. Maybe, you know, he's going to have a bit of a sustainable year. And then I think it was just before that Cleveland series or maybe it was Cincinnati. um, The the wheels just kind of came off and, and it happened again. And uh, we just have to be patient, you know, it stinks, but like Ian said, just look for the approach. Um, hope let's hope he starts showing some more pop. pop. He had a double in his first game back, I think, um, and and just let him work. He he needs time. He needs time. It it stinks to say it's hard to watch. But he needs a lot of time. Yeah, and I'll highlight two things there when it comes to giving him the time he needs, letting him develop the way that obviously we have a reset and that he needs to develop. You know, there's no there's no rush here. There's no urgency here. Yeah. I'm going to say I, I've sent this out a, a bunch of times and, you know, it'll get labeled an excuse. So be it. The guy is about to turn 25. The average age of a major league baseball rookie is 24.5. Get, you yeah. know, it's he's 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 half a year older than the average rookie. There's no reason yeah. to have to make this a quick reset for him. No, a full reset. The last time that Lewis Brinson was able to go up to the plate with any kind of confidence, if we take away spring training, is what a year and a half ago when yeah. he was when he was in, in, in trip, you know play. right i mean yeah. it, there's a psychological perspective to this he needs he needs a full reset he needs to show that he's he's going to be a major leaguer that all those mm-hmm. tools are there that they didn't evaporate and there's just no rush on the marlin side of this we don't care about the wins and losses this year we just don't we care about the development so give him time allow him to reset when he comes up, he's going to be maybe six months older, seven months older than the average rookie. Allow him the time needed to really find that swing, that approach, yeah. that rhythm, that confidence that y'all spoke about. And like, like you said, Danny, like, um, there's no rush. You know, wait, oh, I lost my train of thought. Come back to me on that. I I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you. No, yeah. Go ahead. What you're saying with no rush on Brinson, like even like the Marlins have seemed so keen to bring this guy up and have him part of the roster because he came so high profile in the Yelich deal, and Yelich is going and doing what he's doing. But with 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 anything the Marlins are doing right now, we're getting negative criticism. So I think they need to reach a point with Lewis that they need to stop caring about the image of this team. Of they need to have this Uber prospect in the majors and playing when this kid doesn't need to be here playing right now. And they've I, last year was a struggle to watch the second half. He really just didn't need to be there. And they, it was like almost a, like they were forcing the kid to play every night for, for the need to have a star that was going to be there in the rebuild. And this, I might be off base with that, but I don't know. The kid needs to be in AAA for as long as he 
as he needs to. And he hasn't got that since he was in the Milwaukee system. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do with him while he's here. Yeah, I think you make a great point, Ian. Like, just because he's the face of the franchise, you know, or I wouldn't say the face of the franchise, but the face of the rebuild, um, doesn't mean he has to be playing every night if he's not contributing to the team, you know? Um, he, he What is he going to gain from being in the major leagues right now? He was playing as a fourth outfielder. Um, they were playing, starting him in the eighth spot, which, you know, that's not the, we're not saying that's the reason he's bad. He's been bad in the major leagues so far. All we're saying is that hasn't helped his development at all. There have been a lot of things the Marlins have done that really haven't helped his development. And playing him as a fourth outfielder was doing that. And so now he gets the chance to go start in um, New Orleans and play alongside Monte and, you know, some guys that are really important to the rebuild as well and are playing really good baseball. And so I think uh, we have to, to let him do that because he's not contributing to the team up at the major league level. So maybe he can help in the minor leagues and let's not worry about the fact that he, you know, he's the guy we got the headliner of the Yelich trade and he's not here. Let's worry about helping him develop so that if anything, he just becomes serviceable because that's what we're, you know, at this point, I think we'll all be happy if, if that happens. Absolutely. And, and that's why, I mean, at the very least, I'm, if we're searching for something positive at the major league level, the fact that he was demoted, <laughs> as awful as that might sound, is a positive move by the Marlins franchise. <laughs> you know, they said, screw yeah. the optics, screw what the Twitter fan that retweets every Yelich homer is going to say. This is what needs to happen for this guy's development. We've waited long enough. Go down to AAA. Go be with Monte. Go be with Diaz, like like you said, Ethan. And and let's see let's see what happens. I believe he's also with his hitting coach down there. So you know there's mm-hmm. there is a lot of positive that can come from this for a guy that is still only six months older than the average rookie. No reason to give up on him, but at least set him in the right path. And I think that this was the first good step for that. Um, with that being the case, let's go ahead and let's go to our prospect performance updates there's a lot of guys actually because last week we couldn't get to a lot of individuals because of monte's amazing interview so i'll let i'll let ethan take it first is there anyone that you feel like we should highlight without giving away any of our other segments uh that you uh feel the fans should really be tuned into this guy was going to be in my things we love to see until somebody else came in and knocked him off but let's talk about edward cabrera um (laughs) what a start the other night man uh, six and two thirds innings, two hits, no runs, no walks, and thirteen strikeouts. Uh, kid's been kid's been had good strikeout numbers in in two starts. He's had thirteen and nine in two of his four starts so far. Uh, he had six in the one before. He had thirteen, and he's off to a really nice start this year. And I talked about how he could be sort of the hidden gem in this cluster of talent that is the Marlins rotation down in the minors, especially in Jupiter. I think he's kind of the hidden gem and this guy's really, really talented. I mean, so far this year, he's only in, in uh, 22 innings. He's only allowed 11 hits, four runs, six walks, and he's struck out 31. So those are some really nice numbers. Uh, and he's, he's a really nice player. And like I said, I just think we should keep looking out, keep an eye on him because, you know, um, it, it's crazy to say that he's flying under the radar in a way because he's one of the top prospects and we talk about him a lot on here, but he might not get the publicity that some of these other guys in the Marlins rotation in the system does. And I think he deserves it and hats off to him for another great performance the other night. Yeah, I'll definitely talk a little bit more about Carrera later in the episode, but 
Another guy I'd like to talk about who's having a great year so far is Eliezer Hernandez down in down New Orleans. He's been quite dominant to start the year, and he's flying very right under the radar. He's got a 1.17 ERA over his first six starts. He's sporting a 12.4 rate cave over nine, which is probably the best, uh, probably probably the best of his career, I'd imagine. I haven't looked at that stat, but I would say that's the best of his career. We got him in Rule Five draft last year, and he endured some pretty bad struggles on the major league team last year. But the kid's only 24 years old, and now he's dominating yeah. New Orleans, where he's supposed to be, and looking like a future piece for this roster. He's got nasty stuff. He's hasn't allowed a home run all year this year, and he just looks good. I mean, everybody talks about Zach Allen. Zach Allen sitting at a one one two ERA. Ellie Iger sitting at a one one six. Like they're right there. And it's, it's yet you haven't heard of one you haven't heard a peep about him since probably last last year when he was getting dominated in the major league level. So that's a guy I think needs to deserve some love. And he threw a great start the other night, six innings, ten Ks, one walk. And it was, I mean, they won the game for nothing, so that's a shutout victory for him. I mean, for the team. So that's <clears throat> what I'd love to see out of him. And another guy I'd like to talk about real quick is Justin Twine. Been on an absolute tear to start the year in, in Jacksonville. He batted 402 in Jacksonville last year, and he's starting the year this year at 294 with only with a lowest K rate of his career and just playing good baseball. I mean, that team really hasn't shown much pop with the bat, and he's been solid all year long. So that's another guy I'd like to talk about. Yeah, it's and, good and to see a... somebody. Sorry, Go ahead, Ethan. It's, it's good to see somebody hitting in Jacksonville uh, because it seems like nobody is doing it. Um, who had a really good start there the other night? And they just got no help from their team whatsoever. Um, I think maybe it was Yams had a really nice start, um, but that that lineup is just in a in a daze right now. I don't know what's going on there because they do have some nice hitting prospects. I mean, Brigman is off to a terrible start, and so it's it's been frustrating to see. So it's nice to see something positive coming out of there. Yeah, and just to go back on what I was going to say very quickly, by the way, it was Yams who had the really solid start, mm-hmm. but he couldn't get any any run support. Um, no. You know, everyone expects, I'm going to go back to the Hernandez point by Ian, everyone expects Gallon to be the first guy called up. Um, I'm not so certain that that's going to be the case. I think that the Marlins, if we're looking at roster construction, I think that Hernandez will actually probably be the, the first guy called up because he's already on the 40. You know, mm-hmm. Gallon isn't, which means that if you go with Gallon, okay, that's great. We're going to see, a, you know, the completion of the baby-faced aces, per se. But you're going to have to take someone off that 40. I think that whether that's going to be disappointing Chen. for a lot of listeners or not. Yeah, I know. Just, just, I mean, someone has to be gone. But, but I think that they're going to take the conservative route. And if they really bring someone up, um, it, it'll, it'll likely be Hernandez. And quite frankly, it would no longer just be a lazy 40-man transaction. He's actually earning that call-up yeah. if it were to happen. And and he was on the roster last year, right? He spent some time up in yeah, the had, last year. You had to keep him on the roster unless we were. Yeah. So, so it, it, yeah, I definitely agree. But, you know, it would be nice to see Gallon up first, for sure. Definitely, definitely. And, and just to highlight that yam start, uh, six innings, one hit. Two walks, six strikeouts, but he couldn't nice. just just no no run support. What's our which is going to happen? I think <laughs> quite a I lot. I think of it was a one nothing. I think it was a one nothing ball game. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, just, it's it's going to happen to that pitching staff the entire year. But yeah, it's nice to sure. see Yams performing the way that he was performing last year because he got off to that little slow start. Um, 
for this year, regardless of whether we're getting run support or not for him. But yeah, it, yeah I'm with you, yeah. Ethan. I would like to see Gallon come up. I would like to see Gallon be the guy that they call. I just, yeah, I think that that 40 man not being on the 40 man is just gonna, it's just gonna make the the choice to bring up Hernandez too easy for them. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Is there anyone else you guys want to highlight? I mean, you're talking about Valimon again for having another dominant start the other night. I think it was six innings, 12 strikeouts, one walk. I mean, he's looked phenomenal for Clinton throughout the year this year. And um, he's a guy I could see earning a promotion probably by midseason if somebody moves up from this Jupiter rotation. He was a he was a college guy out of the draft last year. So I'm excited to see what this guy can do. He's 6'5 with dominant stuff. He's an imposing figure on the mound. And it's good to see him put together a dominant start after one after the other this year to start the year. Another guy that kind of had this, this same thing is uh, Guzman. He had a nice start, um, but he, he he's really, really cruising through the first portion of the game. And, you know, we've talked about this before with, he, you know, he could end up being a really good reliever. And I think we saw kind of why the other night, because he started out on fire and was mowing guys down. And then towards the end of the game, he, he threw 96 pitches, the most he's thrown all year. And, um, and, and towards the end of the game, he started, started kind of winding down and the, the, the scorebook got a little messy, but uh, he had, we went six and two thirds, five hits, two runs, three walks and, and five strikeouts. And he's still having a really good year. Um, but, you know, like I said, the way that he kind of, you know, his, his command kind of goes off on him, but he's, he's really solid to start games. Um, I could I could see him playing really really well out of the bullpen. Yeah, and the thing with Guzman, really, if you look at his as his games this year, there's really just that one game, I believe against Birmingham, that he gave up the seven runs. But outside of that, he's limited the damage. It's just about that durability piece that you keep hitting on, which is why a lot of people like that reliever risk uh, type of profile with him. But the stuff is there. He's showing that he could get hitters out. He's showing again that weak contact and yeah it's been what now two starts two starts that would be considered rather solid the the start right behind the one that you just highlighted he went five innings yep. uh no runs allowed three walks two strikeouts but that's where that key is with that kind of stuff you have to be able to strike more individuals out now for a couple of players because we're going to go back to Valamont for a second he was the first pitcher that was selected last year and he gets overlooked quite a lot because, well, we got basically what's considered three or four first rounders last year on the offensive side, regardless of how they have started off this year. Obviously, Sirius Johnson got hurt. Banfield is elite defensively, but has yet to pick up the bat. Uh, Pompey's bat, although he also got hurt, started off cold. Someone who we're seeing, which we really needed to see, start trending upwards was Connor Scott. And mm-hmm. over the week and a half, I would say almost two weeks, He's still in 273, 385, 45. He was able to hit his first home run. His K rate is only at 12.8. He's actually walking more than he's striking out. His walk rate is at 12.8, actually equal 12.8. It's it's good to see. You pair that with four yeah. doubles, and now you're talking about a player who's starting to pick up, again, only 19 years of age, but starting to pick up and show those tools that the Marlins obviously targeted him with their first pick. And showing showing an advanced approach. I mean, he's taking taking a lot of walks, and he was doing that last year um, as well. But really doing it this year. Um, I mean, you said his K rate. That's crazy that his K rate is and his walk rate are about the same. Um, so, or I, I don't know if it's over that stretch or yeah, it is. Over yeah, the over the two but weeks. Still, yeah. But still, you know, he he, he a really tough start um, for him, and 
I'd still like to see him make more contact um, as a table setter that he kind of, you know, projects to be. Um, but, yeah, it's good to see him get going and an advanced approach, drawing a lot of walks and cutting down the strikeouts recently. That's really good to see from a guy that young. Yeah, we're talking about trending prospects and young guys. And the next guy we got on the list is Jose Devers. I mean, last oh. two weeks, he's raking the ball. I mean, he's hitting 412, 487, 441. Before, uh, this is coming off the DL, I believe, or a little bit after they're coming off the DL. But before that, he had zero walks in the year. Didn't walk one yeah, time. Yeah. He's, he's got a 10% walk rate now. He's, I mean, a 12% walk rate now over the last two weeks, which is phenomenal. I mean, he's starting to actually take a better approach at the ball. He's putting putting the bat on the ball literally two out of three times a game, it seems like. And he's playing good baseball. And I'm excited to see that. He's still, like I said, 19 years old. He's the youngest player in the FSL by a long shot. And he's dominating, and it's exciting to see. He doesn't get the love because he's not a true shortstop, so to say, so to speak. But um, put some weight on this kid and let him keep hitting, and we're going to see something special come out of this kid. And did you guys see – I don't know if you guys were watching the game last night, but <clears throat> they had, like, the prospect spotlight, spotlight on Fox Sports Florida and Devers mm-hmm. was the The montage? Guy. Yeah, they had a highlight reel of him just drilling the ball and going, going to every field, it seemed like. so. But yeah, Devo has the best swing in the, in the whole system. Yeah, it's it's pretty. It's pretty, and the way he he's just a really nice, quick swing. Um, Hollinsworth was talking about it, and just the way he was using all the fields and making hard contact on some of these you know singles and line drives. Uh, really exciting. If he like he said, like we always say, if he could just beef up a little more and start hitting, start reaching the gaps, uh, he's going to be really, really good. And then the third guy that we'll highlight is actually Ethan's guy. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna let you show Sean Reynolds some love. Okay, I'll give you the slash yeah, over the last few why weeks. Not? I mean, he has three homers since, you know, since our, our infamous tweet, right, about no first yeah. baseman prospects. <laughs> I mean, the K rate is still at 40%, so you still got him there a little bit. Yeah. Um, but 265, 375, 588 over the, the last two weeks. Good to see. Obviously, the K rate needs to come down. He's just, he is becoming that Chris Davis, or uh, yeah, Yeah. Chris Davis prototype where he's either going to hit a bomb or he's going to strike out, but it's still nice to see. And again, he's very young. He's taking a lot of walks, which is, you know, I always highlight the walks on the show because I love guys that draw a lot of walks and get on base a ton. And he's doing that and he's hitting tanks, which is good. You know, love guys that hit tanks. That's always exciting. And, uh, but, yeah, like you said, Danny, I mean, over this stretch, it's a really impressive stretch, 267, 375, 588, but 40, uh, 40% strikeout rate. So it's down from the 50 that he was at earlier this year. But Improvement. I mean, yeah, a little bit of improvement, but, you know, he's, imagine what he'd be hitting if he weren't striking out at a 40% clip. He'd yeah, be hitting a lot higher than 265, I'll tell yeah, you that. You he's, he's, he'd be like I mean, territory. You know, we joke about it and we talk about, oh, well, what if Andrew Vaughn, the, the first base prospect, falls or we'll get Torkelson I mean, the next year, whatever the case is. But really, how beautiful would it be if he stepped up, if he oh. stepped up and was able to lower that K rate? Because clearly the power is there. I mean, clearly scary type of power. Yeah. If he was able to just lower that even into, you know, the 32 percent rate, 35 mm-hmm. percent rate, even that we can work with when you're talking about the immense power production that he could bring in. Yep. Oh, absolutely, man. More. That's Eli's boy. So Eli, I'm oh, yeah. excited about him 
Jones. Yeah, Eli. Eli is a the two guys for Eli right now that we're crushing on: Sean Reynolds and Justin Twine, and we've hit both of them on this episode. So yeah, we're in line for bonuses or something, but we we're we're doing well. We're doing well. Um, all right. So let's go into our three segments. Uh, go ahead and and take us off, Ian. Pitcher of the week. Hitter of the week. Ow, here we and that's that's the easy one this week. I mean, Ethan already brought him up earlier in the prospect, and that's Edward Cabrera is my pitcher of the week. I mean, how could he not be? Six and two thirds, two hits, thirteen Ks, and a bunch of zeros, zero walks, zero runs, zero earned runs. I mean, he was dominant. Uh, he's went twenty-one straight innings without giving up a score, giving up a run. Uh, he's only twenty-one years old, by the way. He had 98 on the gun in this most previous start. I mean, the kid's got probably, like I've said it before, probably the most arm talent in the system, and that's including six, though. The kid's just got effortless gas. I saw him in the instructional league this year. Or, excuse me, I saw him in uh, the, the Marlins Futures game that they held in Marlins Park, and he threw a ball. Um, I think it was 96 on the gun, but it just sounded different. And the kid, he, he's, a, he's a humble kid. He just goes out there and plays ball. He's starting to throw two-plus pitches with his changeup and his curveball, and that's going to start being scary. He's got, the best, he's got the best ERA on this rotation in Jupiter, and you really don't talk about him. I mean, you got Braxton, you got Jordan Holloway, you got Will Stewart, you got Trevor Rogers, and Edward Cabrera is the one who's dealing right now. The kid is playing the best baseball of his career, and it's super exciting to see. Walks were the biggest issue coming into the season, and he's went two straight starts, no walks. <clears throat> that's what I want to see, and that's why, exactly why he's my, my pitcher of the week. And my hitter of the week probably could have been this, this guy last week, and that's Caleb Ramirez. He's hitting 526 over his last five games. He's got three doubles and two homers over that stretch. He's only struck out one time. The kid's dominating. We got him for, I think, twenty five grand in the offseason. He wanted to be here because he believes he be a part of this rebuild and have a real future in Miami. And I mean, he's showing it. He hit 478 the week before and 526 this week. That's stupid numbers. I mean, the, the lineup in New Orleans is kind of scary and he's getting pitches to hit and he's really hitting them. And he's not in the 40 man right now, but barring some as the year goes on, I could see him making his way to Marlins Park definitely in 2019. I think he should be there already. For being honest, I think the only reason it's not is because we have to make a forty move. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, you know, with the way Brinson was hitting, it was you know, I thought it would kind of be a switch like Brinson for Harold, but uh, hasn't happened yet. I, I imagine it'll happen soon. If this... Yeah, and, and that has to be the case, right? He's another forty man casualty. Just just is what it is. If he was yeah. ready on the forty man, he would be up. He's deserved it. I mean, and this is not just this year i mean we've touched on it he's he's been hitting for a while now even back in the blue jay system he was known as this solid hitter which is why i continue to say it surprises me that they let him go um and still young you know if he was on that 40 he's a person that would be in marlins park every day so that's a solid solid selection and then on the pitching side i'll say i am so happy that at least someone outside of our podcast is starting to pay attention to Edward Cabrera because he was actually selected by Baseball America this week uh, yeah. as one of the top hot starts. Yeah. He was actually number four, slotted wow. between uh, Jordan Alvarez of the Astros, right, and Mackenzie Gore. So that's good company. That's good company Shoot. showing that people are starting to see what Cabrera brings to the table. Jordan Alvarez Talk and Mackenzie Gore, two former future Marlins. Yeah, and they're dominating this dominating. year too. Dominating. dominating. Mackenzie looks 
looks phenomenal. Everybody was starting to write him off after last year, and he came back and just looks filthy. If he stays healthy this year, he's going to be a top ten prospect in the whole game for sure. It's done. And and right above them is another future former Marlin, Austin Riley. Oh, <laughs> but again, it's good to know we were right about these kids. Yeah, I'm telling we, you, we evaluate well. Yeah, we we have the right ideas for the trades that we want to do, JT. But it's like we we're not fought. just talking it's like for fun. Great. We actually know something, huh? Yeah, you know, exactly. It's, it's exciting when you when you realize that sometimes. Oh gosh! All right, go ahead and uh, and take us to things we love, Ethan. All right, first thing, a guy that we uh, haven't really been talking about for uh, some you know negative reasons, but uh, we should start talking about more is Will Banfield. Uh, some video came out of Clinton last night of their game, and he threw three runners out with absolute hoses. I mean, these were cannons off the arm, quick pop time. We already we've talked about the elite defense that he has on here before. Um, but uh, just seeing it in action, you know, seeing some video of it, uh, a guy that, you know, we've we've all kind of talked about negatively to start the year, and he's he's hit me with a like on a negative tweet the way Sean Reynolds did. Um, but I would love to see him get going on the offensive side of the ball because, man, is that defense special. And you saw that in that video. And I love when we get video of these guys because, you know, it's always just a picture in my head of what's going on. But when you actually see it, it's really exciting. And that's why the next two – Things we love to see are also some videos that came out this week. Uh, did you guys see the laser that Isan Diaz hit? Um, so sexy. That swing, that swing is pure, man. And the ball just flew off of it. I mean, it got the announcer to even start going crazy. He was screaming his head off about how far that ball flew. So seeing some power from Isan, and he's heating up, you know, around this is kind of even earlier than when he started heating up last year uh, up in Jacksonville, but. Some power from him, and it's again, it's really nice to see video of these guys and to see them actually in action. And he hit an absolute nuke, so that was really exciting. And then the third one, um, I know you guys saw this because I know Ian loves this guy too. Victor Mesa uh-huh. Jr. What a that guy's got a re- for a seventeen year old. He's got a really Dude. beautiful swing. The way he, he follows through with one hand, and he crushed that ball. Uh, he knew it. You know, I wish those those videos would show you where the ball kind of lands, but you could see on that swing that that ball never had a chance. So, yeah. um, and and the pimp job, he's got eighty. That was an eighty grade pimp job right there from him. So, I'm really excited. Um, the draft is in about a month, and then the GCL starts up a little bit after that, and I expect him to be there. Um, and I'm really excited to see him start getting in box scores and start paying attention to him because. I don't know. I think, you know, we give Victor Victor a lot of the attention, but I think this guy deserves a little more attention than he deserves. And it probably is because he's not playing right now. But, man, if he can come up and hit in the GCL and start making his way through the system at 17 years old with that kind of swing, that was beautiful. So those are the things we'd love to see. Uh, If you have video out there, if you're going to these games, send it to us. We would love to see it. I love watching video of these guys and it's always exciting to see to give them some attention. So if you're listening out there and you happen by a Marlins minor league game this week and you get some video of something good happening, send it our way. We'd love to see it. Yeah. And, and I'll add one thing on Mesa Jr. very quickly because it's the one nugget that I always have to send out there when we talk about Victor Mesa Jr. You talk to individuals that saw them in Cuba And you talk to scouts that scouted Cuban players, and they say that he is supposed to be the one that's actually eventually going to be better, which is Mm -hmm. mind-boggling. And this is the second time I'll say this throughout our podcast together, but it's a testament to how good this kid can be. 
And it yeah. starts with, I mean, it starts with that beautiful swing. You know, anything with him is pure projection, right? Unless you have yeah. been there with him in extended spring and seen him every day, you can't get a good feel on this kid. But then you see a video like that and you see a swing that can work. Um, and, and then you put that together with the reports from Cuba where he's really the guy with the higher ceiling. And you see why it's not just about Victor Victor Mesa, but also his little brother as well. Yep, Absolutely. And one last thing before we move moving forward, and that's Will Banfield. We've been talking a lot about his bat not not playing recently, but over his last two weeks, he's hitting three oh six. He's got four extra base hits, including a triple and a homer. Um, he struck out a bunch, but he scored seven runs, and he's 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 got eleven hits in his last nine games. He's starting to play better baseball with the or starting to hit the ball actually. So that's exciting to see. I just wanted to add that before we moved on. Yeah, I mean, I was going to talk about the the triple and the double that he hit, but I didn't even get to it because of the defense talk, but there was video of that too. And he crushed those balls. So yeah. Yeah. It, hopefully he can start heating up and showing some power. Love to, would love to see that. Perfect. Perfect. So we're going to, we're going to wrap up with my under the radar, but before that, I want to just send out one news very quickly. Um, one quick news that it's of quite importance, honestly, Joe Fasaro yeah, stated out that Nick Nider uh, was placed on the IL right with a right knee tendonitis and the first thing that i pointed out was that well that might explain the early season struggles right we spoke about that mm-hmm. quite a lot this is a guy with excellent command with excellent mechanics and yet he's walking four five six hitters in his first few starts um i don't know how much you guys want to speak to how his planting leg his delivery could you know change what's happening here um but something to monitor to see when he comes back when he's fully healed if his command is back where we expect it to be. Um, I'm not sure, actually, we haven't gotten any confirmation on when we can expect him to be back, but just something that obviously our listeners should know. Absolutely. I want to know, I'd like to know how long he was battling the injury, if he was for a long period of time or not. something we need to know. Yeah, and that was definitely frustrating to watch him get off to that kind of start because, I mean, you know, I figured he was a candidate to be in the Marlins rotation this year and, the way he was pitching and you know if this injury kind of sets him back a while it'll be tough but um yeah I, I, he's still a good pitcher there's no doubt about that and you know hope hope he gets healthy and take your time and see you back soon dominating amen to that all right so we're gonna finish off with the under the radar okay and i'm gonna go on on a little bit of a do soapbox it. here and i'm gonna do it a little differently than i've done it the last few weeks right the last few weeks i give you the individual's name i give you how he's doing and we talk about it today i'm gonna do a blind test. I'm not going to give you the individual's name because, quite frankly, as soon as I give you the individual's name, not you fellows, but people out there are going to tune out or they're not going to want to pay attention or they're going to say we've already given up on this person. This is an outfielder who has four plus tools. The last tool is entirely limited. He just turned 23 less than a month ago. So he was 22, turned 23 less than a month ago and is currently playing in double A. His stats, 100 at-bats, so we have a nice round number for you. His slash, 308, 368, 365. Again, the slug's not going to be there. He has no power. 32 hits, five extra base hits. He's four for four on stolen base attempts. He's walking at about an 8% clip and only striking out at a 15% clip. Let me tell you why this person is important to me. Because as soon as you mention the name Magnera Sierra, everyone tunes out. And as soon as you mention the name Magnera Sierra, everyone thinks that what they saw at 21 years of age at the major league level and at 22 years of age at the major league level because the Cardinals and the Marlins rushed him for his defense 
is apparently what we're going to see for the rest of his career. I mm. think that that's BS. I think that the reality is that he was rushed and that he was brought back down and that he's an under the radar guy because if you talk to anyone, no one talks about Sierra being as part of this next competitive core. If you go on yeah. Baseball America or Pipeline and look at projected 2020, 2021 lineups, Magna or Sierra is nowhere to be found. So I, I get why people do this. I, I understand. And, you know, he doesn't even have prospect status anymore. I understand that part of it, too. Um, but it's ridiculous to me that we have given up on an individual that has just turned 23 and yep. is hitting the way that he hits, has plus speed, plus arm, plus glove. He has a average to above average hits when he's starting to show it from the left side of the plate you you all need to i guess tell me where i'm wrong or is it really that we've just all given up on someone because of their first impression uh i don't think you're wrong necessarily um but i mean the start it's kind of come down to earth a little bit he was hitting up in the 350s you know a few week, a week or two ago and it's down a little bit down to 308. But the encouraging thing is the walks. Uh, he's taking more walks than we would expect from him, and he's not striking out a lot at all. Um, and and that's something that we need from a lot of these guys is getting is improving on their approach and improving their walk numbers, and also not striking out as much. So um, he's had a really fine start to the year, and I think we should keep let it keep happening. Because if he's going to keep hitting over 300, you know, well over 300 and getting, you know, taking more walks and getting on base a ton, you know, it, he could be a really nice piece going forward. But, you know, there are, in the past couple of years, there have been some guys that have come over and kind of leapfrogged him. So we'll see if he's really a long term solution. But, you know, if he has a really nice year this year and, and some of the guys in the outfield don't have as great years or there's a hole in the outfield. He could definitely fill it, you know, at the beginning of the next year. So you're right. But still, the way we've seen him perform in the majors is concerning. So I, I wouldn't say he's a long-term answer as of now. But it's definitely good to see him hitting this well because that's something we need. Yeah, Mags, Mags has been the, the most curious case we've had since his rebuild has started. Like, um, if you go back to any of these articles you read this week, you heard that Dan Greenlee was doing data, data, data driven trades for a while and talking about Max Sierra. He came up from single A for a series against the Marlins from when he was on the Cardinals and actually absolutely lit us up. I remember so that a few months later, he's traded or say a year later, he's traded to Miami and moved straight to the 40 the man roster and playing in the major leagues. This kid was not meant to be there when he was in St. Louis. He's, just was he hasn't been ready. This is the first time he's actually got a chance to play baseball where he's supposed to be, and he's shown the type of player he can be. If he's in Miami this year, I'll be a little upset, but I fully expect him to get some time in Miami before 2019's up just because he's got the experience and the 40 man spot. But Mags, Mags can play, he's got the most speed on the entire roster, and I hate I hated on this guy more than anybody last year, and I'll admit that to anybody, but. I'm 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 excited and I want to see him continue with this. I mean, coming down to earth a little bit the last few weeks, but he's not striking out. And if, yeah. if this guy can be a poor man's Juan Pierre, then I'm ecstatic. It's it's what he can be at his peak, and I think seeing what he's doing now in Jacksonville is exciting. And I'm glad you talked about him a little bit a little bit, Danny, because people will write this guy off and they won't want to talk about him just because what they've seen at the major league level. And that's not what this guy is going forward. I don't think. 
Yeah, and we started off the episode with patience, right? Patience with Sixto Sanchez, patience with Lewis Brinson. I think this is where patience needs to be brought back mm-hmm. in as well. You know, we have to have patience mm-hmm. with him, and you guys both highlighted that. I, we don't need to see him at Marlins Park. We probably will because of the 40-man, because the off-field right now is horrendous. Whatever the case is, he'll probably make his way, but it's just nice, and we echoed this from the first podcast that we were together, to see him where he's supposed to be for his developmental yep. age and just for his development. So, you know, keep him there. Let him find that success. Be patient. That's going to be our word because it's the truth. You have to be patient with these prospects. Um, and that's and again, that's just why he's my under the radar guy. I, I do think he could be a poor man's Juan Pierre. You know, I do think that even if he's our fourth outfielder, he could bring that elite defense, that elite speed. And if he keeps making contact at the rate that he is, maybe even push to be a little bit more than that. Um, all right, fellas, you know, I always ended up with if there's anything left unsaid, make sure to say it. Anything you guys want to want to mention before we wrap up? Uh, I'm Braxton Garrett's pitching night and he's starting off really well into doubleheader down Jet and Jupiter. So if you guys are tuning in or tuned in tonight, hopefully the start continues. And that's really about it for me. I mean, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to go lay down and hopefully feel better. Oh, also one, one more last thing. Speaking of Jupiter. Uh, stay tuned for next week. We are hopefully, if all things go to plan, we'll have yes. a rotation member on the show. I'll uh, leave it at that. Um, we will go from there, guys. Oh, I love the teaser. I love it. We will make sure to leave you off with that cliffhanger. As always, go ahead and give us a like. Wherever you're listening, we are found all across podcast platforms, and we look forward to y'all joining us next week. Go fish. <laughs>